Welcome to Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. Hosted by Irving Rich. Light and Life Meditations on the Gospel and Epistles of John. By James Boyd. 14. John Chapter 12. Eternal life is the only life that is known in the Father's house on high. This life was promised before the ages of time, Titus chapter 1 verse 2, has been manifested in the sun down here, and has been given to believers in the Holy Spirit's power, God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Therefore, he that loves his life, his life here as a living man in connection with this world, shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Everything in connection with this world is to be sacrificed in view of the life eternal. If anyone desired to serve Jesus, the way to serve him was to follow him. The energy put forth in the doing of something for Christ in that which is often called service has a stimulation that often carries the servant a great deal beyond the power that he may have in the spirit. But patiently to follow the imperturbable footsteps of the meek and lowly Saviour requires one to have the eye fixed upon himself, and to walk in continual dependence upon God. If any man serve me, him will my Father honour. How could it be otherwise? The one thought of Jesus when here was the glory of the Father, and surely all that it cost him to do this is sacred to the heart of the Father. But if for the Son this work meant even the death of the cross, what will not the Father do for the Son's glory? And what will he not do for those who serve that Son of his? And how terrible will, the judgment be of those who despise and reject him. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. The light was there. Never in the whole creation had such light previously appeared. Light that revealed the innermost secrets of the human heart was there and then shining for the blessing of the poor creature, who had been wandering in the darkness, and who, alas, loved it. Had they believed in it they would have become children of it. It had the power of producing a generation of God on earth, for the light was the light of life. But it is not only that men did not believe in the light, they hated it. And yet it was the light of divine love. But it was the light of holy love, and it revealed and condemned the thoughts of the natural and corrupt mind of man. And because they were determined to go on in their corrupt ways they rebelled against it. Therefore the light had to be withdrawn. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and did hide himself from them. Their privileges were now to be taken away from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, yet they believed not on him that the saying of Esaias might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Esaias said again, He has blinded their eyes, and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, and understand with their heart, and be converted. And I should heal them. Now the light was hid from their eyes. One other thing remained for them to do, and that was to quench that light in the blood of his cross, that is, as far as human power could do it. What a terrible creature man is! How dreadful a thing it is to contemplate, that the word that Jesus spoke, which was life everlasting to the one who received it, became to the rejecter of it a word that in the last day would rise up in judgment against him, the word of life is, through man's obstinacy, turned into a word of eternal damnation. The rejection of that word was the rejection of the Father and the Son. Man is not satisfied with his Maker when he sees him, the Creator is abhorrent to his creature. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. The signs that he wrought fell upon blind eyes. The words that he spoke fell upon deaf ears. Good was met by evil, and love by hatred. In spite of the unspeakable kindness of the heart of God, manifested in a multitude of works of infinite compassion, the heart of man remained obdurate. Henceforth the lips of the Son of God are sealed. He must now await their hour and the power of darkness.
Man's hour was coming, and it was characterized by the power of darkness. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. They could not have taken him had he not placed himself unresistingly in their hands. Led by Judas, who was a devil, they come in the night to lone Gethsemane, and there they find him. And now that they had found him, how utterly helpless they are in his presence. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth, and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus says unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward, and fell to the ground. In spite of all his wickedness, even when influenced by the dread angel of the abyss. How utterly weak and cowardly man is. They have indeed found him. He acknowledges that he is the person they seek. But what can they do? What use to them are their weapons? They are absolutely powerless in his presence. But if they cannot take him he will deliver himself into their hands, and that for the glory of the Father, and for the sake of his disciples. Again his challenge falls upon their ear, whom seek ye? And again they say, Jesus of Nazareth. Had they not found him? They had come to arrest him, and though they had found him unarmed and apparently defenseless they cannot lay hands on him. He says to them, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. He will lose none given to him of the Father. Blessed Master. True to the trust reposed in him. Faithful unto death. Here the carnal courage of Peter comes into view, as in that same night his carnal cowardice is also manifested. Who could stand in such a moment as this? Peter denies him with oaths and cursing. Pilate is afraid to give a righteous sentence. He condemns the guiltless. Man must display himself. The hatred of his heart to God must be perfectly exposed. The thoughts of many hearts must be revealed. The nation chooses Barabbas. They will have no king but Caesar. The rulers are afraid he will rise again, and they seal the stone, and set a watch. When they get to know that he is risen, they bribe the watch to say that his disciples stole him away while they slept. Maddened by their utter discomfiture, incorrigible in their wickedness, blind, as to the consequences of the godless action, and with no fear of God before their eyes. To cover their humiliating defeat they invent a story so impossible that it would not deceive an infant. In chapters 13 to 16, the disciples are assured that though greatly hated and persecuted, they will be very much better off during his absence than they could be while he was with them. In chapter 13, the hour was come when he should depart out of this world, and go to the Father. He had came forth from the Father by the womb of the Virgin, and had come into the world, now he must depart out of this world and go back to the Father. But he will go by way of the cross. He will take care, however, that during the time of his absence they shall have part with him. They had been begotten of God, born by the cleansing efficacy of the word in the power of the Spirit, so that the Lord could pronounce them, clean every whit. But if they were born of God, and thus possessors of a new and divine life and nature, there was still in them the flesh, not in the least improved, but as ready as ever to break out in sinful desire and evil overt act. Therefore did they constantly require that which is figuratively, set before them in the washing of their feet. They had to pass through a defiling scene, and were liable to pick up that which was morally defiling, and which would hinder their having part with Christ in that holy scene into which he was gone. It has been remarked that Peter by his ready speech often gives occasion for the opening out of truth that might seem rather obscure, and it is so here. He will not at first submit to the Lord taking upon himself such a menial service as this, and says, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus says, If I wash thee not thou hast no part with me. Then Peter goes too far, desiring in his ardor to have part with Christ, he says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. But this was unnecessary, Jesus says to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit.
The old Adam nature, having received its judgment in the cross of Christ, must be viewed as no part of ourselves, for in our new relationships with God we are only that which grace has made us. We are born of God, and that which is born of him is certainly every whit clean. But in our complex condition down here in flesh and blood, and therefore part of the old and fallen creation, we have to be taught by the word of God to distinguish between that which is born of the flesh and that which is born of the spirit, and walk in the disallowance of any movement of the old nature. When we have learned the incorrigible evil of the flesh, we will be profoundly thankful to God for the deliverance effected for us by means of his work wrought for us in the cross and for that which he has done in us by his Spirit. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 4, the statement is made, and that without any qualification, ye are of God, little children, and in chapter 5 verse 19, we know that we are of God, that which is born of the flesh, though there, is utterly ignored. In chapter 14, he is going to the Father, but will come again to take them to be with himself, that where he is they may forever be. But he is not going to leave them without protection in a ruthless God-hating world, he will send someone to take care of them. He will send the Spirit to be with them, never to leave them, and also to dwell in them, and with the comfort and power of his presence they will be invincible. For, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world, 1 John chapter 4 verse 4. The Spirit of Antichrist is in the world, the Spirit of Christ in his own, therefore the battle is not a drawn one, but an overwhelming victory for the saints of God, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. On high he has prepared a place for us, and is coming to bring us there. It is now, and during his absence from this world, that we have the privilege of preparing a place for him. He says, He that has my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. But how was he to manifest himself to his disciple apart from being seen by the world? This is answered in verse 23, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. While this explains Jude's difficulty, the privilege of the obedient disciple is immensely enlarged, the Father and the Son will dwell with the obedient follower of Jesus. What an inestimable privilege is the believers to have the Father and the Son dwelling with him. This can be realized in the worst state in which the professing church may at any time be found, for the blessing of such a manifestation and presence is entirely individual. Were it not true of another soul on earth it can be true of me.